Welcome to the Rain in Threes podcast with Alan Ray and Mike O'Connell. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello and welcome to the eighth edition of Rain in Threes. I am your host, Mike O'Connell, here with the former John Wooden and AP All-American Alan Ray. Hey, Ray, how we doing tonight, my guy? What's up, OC? It's 10.43, so I'm a little tired. <laughs> nah, but it's all good. Uh, happy to be here. Like you said, got a lot to talk about today. I think today is going to be a pretty good show today. Ready to get into it. What about what about you? Yeah, no doubt, man. We're out here burning the midnight oil. Uh, you know, it's, it is uh, the only time that really worked out for us, but we got a lot to talk about, like you mentioned, and it's going to be fun. It's been a while, been a couple weeks now since we got to sit down and chop it up. Yeah, uh, some de- some definitely some some exciting news to to talk about. Some new developments that that you've heard about that you were sharing with me uh, before we started recording. So yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Um, and and first and foremost, my friend, who's been a topic for the last few weeks now, almost months with uh, with our show is is Cam Whitmore. And he is your 2023 Summer League MVP, A-Ray. He averaged 19.3 points per game, 5.6 rebounds a game, and two and a half steals as well. So showing off those active hands. A-Ray, give me your thoughts on Cam in the Summer League. First, put some respect on his name. Yes, sir. Got to put respect on his name. Um, After all the noise, everything that was said, he came out and put on the show. Like, not only did he come out and play good, but he got MVP of the summer, which is which is kind of crazy, you know. Um, but I think it was it was great. He he did what he was supposed to do. Come out, anybody with a chip on his shoulder. I know if I had a chip on my shoulder, I would come out the same way. Um, but I did get a little bit of information about his injury, so. Um. Basically, there's a knee issue that's going on that's kind of been discovered by by the doctors, but it's not. Obviously, you guys watch the summer league. It wasn't nothing that prohibited him during the summer league. But it's just kind of raised a little bit of concerns just because of, like, guys like Lonzo Ball, you know, who also has something kind of kind of similar in, in which uh, the doctors saw with Cam. So it kind of raised concerns. I mean, it would with anybody, especially with Alonzo Ball. We've seen his injury history, and I could see why they were concerned and, you know, possibly why why he fell a little bit. But I'm hearing that that's the main, the main reason was it definitely was a knee issue, something that came up w- with his knee. But doesn't look serious to me. And it doesn't look like it's uh, prohibiting, but we'll see. We'll see moving forward. But he did get that MVP this year, and I'm I'm happy for him for that. Just to be able to quiet the noise and dropping down to number 20, winning MVP, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to play this year during the season. Yeah, absolutely, Ray. And, and when you mentioned the cartilage of the knee, you mentioned Lonzo Ball, and whenever – you see those two guys, Cam Whitmore and Lonzo Ball, in the same sentence. I'm sure that was a major reason for a lot of those GMs that passed up on him to be scared to to draft him and put that much stock in him. And and hey, you, you got to understand that from a certain to a certain extent. You, t- you talked a little bit about how Brandon Roy had a similar 
type of experience where, when he was slipping a little bit in the draft after such a, an incredible uh, career at Washington, he was like, whoa, what's going on with this guy's knee? People already predicted draft night about his possible career uh, ending injuries being a, a factor and, and not really giving him that many years. So, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's a little scary to, to hear that news. Like you got to understand. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly like you said, uh, especially going back to that Brandon Roy story. So if if the doctors do predict something like that, they say, okay, well, you know, Brandon Roy has this knee issue and we don't think that he's going to be able to have a long career. Mm-hmm. And it pans out that way. And you see how Brandon Roy's career went. Like you have, you kind of got to like listen to what these doctors are saying, you know? So it's kind of, for Cam, it was just a little bit unlucky in my, in my opinion. Right. That, uh, you know, it, it, the x-rays or MRI, whatever the case showed what they showed and the doctors had their opinion on it. Who knows? It probably wasn't even nothing that serious, but just seeing something and raising concern, you know how that can be. Correct. No, exactly. That's exactly right. And it's funny that we you mentioned Lonzo Ball. He actually won the summer summer league MVP way back in 2017. Uh, but a couple other Villanova guys won that that same award. A Ray, uh, your guy Randy Foy mm-hmm. won way back in 2006, and Josh Hart in 2018 won won the award as well. So uh, pretty cool to see uh, Cam join the likes of, of Randy and Josh, who are obviously, we look back at their career, at least Randy's career, and say, wow, this guy had a, did a lot of great things for many teams in, in the league, and, and Josh Hart's still out there doing his thing and now with the Knicks. So it's certainly something to get excited about. It's not something you say, hey, you know, whatever, it's no big deal. No, it's like guys like, um, let's see, let's go down the list here. Damian Lillard won it back in yeah. 2012. John Wall won the award. 2010, Blake Griffin, Nate Robinson. So it's these are the type of guys that you want to be mentioned with when it comes to having success and albeit the summer league, which is not necessarily the most meaningful of time for the NBA, but it's a great start to, to Cam's career as a Houston Rocket. Yeah, for sure. And you know what I love about right now? And I think it's past couple years. I say it like the last two years, but more so this year also is just like, how Villanova is just making a stamp, like in the basketball community, for for so many years it's been Duke, it's been North Carolina. You watch NBA, you watch USA basketball. It's filled with Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and like it's good to see now Villanova making a stamp. We got guys on USA team. We got guys winning NBA championships. Guys playing in finals. Like it's 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 an unbelievable time right now for the program, and it's just moving in the right right direction. Even with a down year last year, like the program is still trending in the in a, in a great direction. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. Hey, right, you can't look anywhere and not see Villanova in the in the in the basketball world, and that's like you said, Team USA, NBA playoffs, summer league, in the, in the, in the finals. Wherever you look, we're, we're, you're going to see a Villanova player, as, uh, someone from the program, whether it be coach, assistant, you name it, my friend. And, and it's, it's certainly an exciting thing, and that's a great point, right? It's like, wow, last year, Kyle Neptune's first year, uh, taking over from Coach Wright, Hall of Fame coach, Naismith Award winner. Like, 
you, you probably you could argue the the greatest coach of like the 2000s until now in college basketball. And you're like, oh my goodness, how in the world are they going to follow this up? They kind of fall flat. We go 17 and 17, first round exit in the NIT. Not ideal, but everything else is really making up for that. You see Cam slides in the NBA draft and now goes out and does this. And he's like, wow, all of you guys who said it was because of his characters, because he didn't care, he was a you know a comatose attitude. That's out the window now. This guy's a baller. He went out and competed his rear end off and and really showed the entire nation what he's all about. With you, you could he passed the eye test, eh, Ray? But also, if you just want to look at his stats, if you want to be a stat head, the numbers never lie, right? Nineteen, almost twenty points per game in the league in the summer league. Yeah, this guy was doing it all for Houston Rockets, and I could I really will be shocked if you don't continue to see that in his rookie season. So it's it's an unbelievable thing. And like you said, the program, wherever you look, we're on the rise, my friend. Yeah, and he was doing it. Like, he was playing bully ball out there, too. <laughs> it, it looked like when he was playing with uh, USA the year before with Mark. Like, he was just getting whatever he wanted, and he looked the same way in summer league. That's why I'm excited to see um him play this year. I can't, I can't wait. Everybody, oh... He need another year to stay. Uh, he's not that good. Yeah. Uh, you know, he could. He he doesn't know how to dribble, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I've been trying to tell people, like, Villanova just wasn't the system for him. It just wasn't, like, his ideal ideal situation. So, like, now you get to see him getting to play in the open court, more space in a different system, and, like, you can you see him flourishing. Yeah, exactly. Can't hate on him. People were like, oh, there's no way he should have won the Big East freshman of the year. Like, you know, yada, yada. Uh, give me a break. So we, we That sounded like some UConn fan. Oh, you know it. You know it. And, uh, That's my, uh, my, 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 my usual <laughs> UConn hate yeah. in show. Uh, they, they, they come out and they are out of the woodworks. Give it to uh, the Illinois fans on Twitter, no matter what we want to talk about. So, I mean, I like Alex, though, from, from UConn. He's, He's good, like he's a good player, but he just wasn't gonna get freshman year over Cam Whitmore. It wasn't gonna happen. Exactly. Like if there was no Cam Whitmore, who would I want to have it? Alex. He was Alex. Yeah, tough. I give yeah. it to him. Yeah, but, no doubt. He he had a, he had a very solid freshman year, and I think he's gonna continue to to build yeah and grow as a player for UConn, who is going to be a, a legit powerhouse once again this upcoming season, and. Speaking of powerhouses, A-Ray, UCLA, they've been pretty legit the last two seasons, almost uh, combined 60 wins over the last two years, went to the Sweet 16 both times. And last year, I felt like they kind of got uh, a bit of bad luck when uh, they lost the, their top two defenders, including Jalen Clark, who's now in the NBA. Uh, he just signed a, a two-way contract with, with Minnesota. So uh, they... They're a great program, and they are coming to Philly, to Wells Fargo Center, on Saturday, December 9th, to take on the Villanova Wildcats. I mean, hey, right, this is going to be can't-miss basketball. We uh, we know all we all know what happened uh, two years ago when we, when we played them at 11.30 at night we on a Friday. And we're going to get into it a little bit here. It was a top-five matchup, hey, Ray. We were ranked number four. We were traveling out to L.A. to play them at the Paul Pavilion. UCLA, the Bruins, were ranked number two in the country. 
So how about that for some Friday night lights? Jermaine was the leading scorer for us. He had 20 points. Colin had 18. J-Mo with 14. And Eric had 11. And this, Still lost. this is brutal, A-Ray. We were up 60-50. to 10-point lead midway through the second half. And UCLA just really tightened up on defense and scored some key buckets to, to squeeze us and force us to go to overtime. And uh, I know you remember this game well. Uh, and it, it unfortunately brings back some some bad memories. Yeah, man, we had a we had a big collapse that game. I remember it. I was I was in my house. I was sick, but we yeah, I'm I'm glad we playing UCLA. We yeah, we owed them. Um, they come to they come to to Philly, so that's gonna be good. But I I remember that game. Who was the point guard? Oh, Hakez, Campbell, um, Campbell. They, they were killing us. Okay, so Campbell. So we we had Campbell control all game. Like Campbell, we had him under control. He wasn't creating, making plays for everybody. And then like that last ten minutes, he just start making plays for everybody. They hit threes, and it was over after that. And I and I remember, I remember that. I'm like, damn, we let him get going. And like that was the whole game plan to like not let him get going, but he, he wound up getting going at the end of the game, and they killed us, tortured us. Uh, I mean, hey, right. We we did everything that we needed to do, and like you said, we we collapsed in the last ten minutes. Uh, with thirty seconds left, they tied it up at sixty-seven. We had a chance to win the game, and we couldn't get it done, man. I mean, just just brutal, but. It was an early season game. Obviously, it was back on November 12th, Friday night. It was, uh, well, I think, like our second game of the year. So really early on, but a nice litmus test for the Wildcats and what turned out to be a great season, right? Went all the way to the Final Four. But I think it all started with those early non-conference tests. They read. We, we talked about it before, but, I mean, come on. You can't get enough of uh, some great early season matchups that, that really – show you what where the program is at, where everybody's chemistry is at at that point in time. Yeah, definitely. And non-conference is definitely fun. Like playing out of conference, getting to play against different schools is all is, is always great. So um that that UCLA game definitely helped Villanova, I feel like going into the season, late on in the season, like you said, you know, they they was able to get tested, get get to play against a Pac twelve style style um team and it all worked out for them in the tournament you know that's what i think a non-conference always comes down to is is the tournament get you prepared for the tournament because you're going to face so many different styles in the tournament so playing non-conference um get you to see different looks and get you to see what's out there in the country so i'm looking forward to ucla coming especially to to philly get that place Wells Fargo rocking, yeah, man, yeah. So it's it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a goodie. We we owe them, like we owe them a ass whooping. No, I absolutely. And and we talked about Hakez and and Campbell uh, along with Campbell though was Johnny Juzang. Yeah, course. of course we all remember him and and that incredible run by UCLA the year prior, uh, like the COVID esque year where they lost to Gonzaga when Jalen Suggs hit that crazy shot in the Final Four. So. 
that was certainly an impressive UCLA team last year. They went to the Sweet 16 as well. They were they had 31 wins. So th- th- this this is a team that perennially year in year out under Mick Cronin are legit contenders in the Pac-12 and are tournament teams. So this is a, this is exactly who you want to be playing early on, who you want to be building this experience against. And I I, I can't tell you I I, I know. We traveled all the way out to LA. That's not an advantage, disadvantage for for anyone to really as an excuse. But yeah. going all the way across country, Ray, it's tough. So I'm glad, like you said, they're coming to they're coming to Philly. Wells Fargo is going to be absolutely raucous, and it's going to be a ton of fun. So I'm hoping to hoping to maybe even get get out to that game, man. That'd be a ton of fun for sure. And I hate when people say, "Oh, um, the non conference schedule is too hard. It's too brutal." Like, oh. for, first of all. For fans, yeah, it might be t- too brutal for y'all, but as a ba- as a basketball player, like these are the teams I want to play against. Like I don't I don't want to play against Mother Cabrini. I don't want to play against schools like that. Like I want to play against Duke. I want to play against North Carolina. I want to play against Arizona. Yes. Like that's what I want to play against. And if we could get them in non conference, like let's do it. We was we was going so hard trying to play against Duke my senior year. And like it just did happen. We wanted to play Duke so bad, but right. it just did happen. I don't want to play La Loyola, anything like that. <laughs> Non-conference, yeah, no. We will marry him out. Eastern Shore. Yeah, no disrespect to them, but you know, I didn't put in all those hours as a kid to to play against them. Like I want to play against the top teams. Yeah, you want to play against the top white programs with the great coaches, with the NBA players, and everybody. That that's like, oh my gosh, this is a matchup you can't miss. Yeah. Villanova, UCLA, Villanova, North Carolina, Villanova, Kansas. You don't want to be playing, you know, oh wow, they played like some bomb of the barrel Big Ten team. Like, oh great. A couple years ago we played Nebraska. I was like, yeah, yeah. I wanna I wanna play I wanna play Texas. I wanna play Oklahoma. And uh those are two teams that you got to play against actually, uh, back in your day. And I kinda wanna get your perspective because we we brought up wow you're we brought up the fact. <laughs> come on man don't, wow. that's not what I meant that's not what I meant man I have a day too well, I just turned thirty nine so just how that think about how that makes me feel oh my god give me a break but yo you're absolutely right I don't want to play any cupcake schedule in the non conference give me the big guns I want to be playing against Baylor I want to be playing against Kansas I'm gonna be playing against UCLA Maryland. Kansas State, like these these top tier programs from the best conferences in the nation. And I remember a few years ago in 2018, we played against uh, Gonzaga in the Garden for the Jimmy V Classic. Like those are the games that you want to see in November and December, eh, Ray? Exactly, exactly. And I do remember that game against uh, against Gonzaga. Was that like one of the first times we played played them? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It was like yeah. December 2017. I remember I was a sophomore. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Mikel had a heck of a game. I think he almost dropped 30, and we yeah. took it to him. So they say, like, that stuff is good. Like, you're in the play again, the see against. How many people seen Gonzaga play before that? Like, like Villanova fans. Probably not a lot of people. And they got and they got to see that. So, yeah, that was that was that was good. That's that's some good plus for you for you fans. Get to get to see some good teams. So, get to see some good players. So you want to see the good teams. Yeah, see good players. Ah, are you kidding me? And I mean, we saw, talk so talk about some good players from from UCLA too. 
Uh, I, I remember we put some on Twitter yesterday after the announcement of the game for this upcoming year in December. Uh, back in 2009 when we played him, was actually at the Wachovia Center, A-Ray, before it became Wells Fargo. We played Saturday, March 21st, 2009. Second round game against UCLA. Drew Holiday, Darren Collison, legit team that really, like, at one point was ranked in the top 10. They were a six seed. We were a three seed. It was not an easy run we had to the to the final four in 09, but we beat the brakes off of UCLA 89 to 69. And Dante Cunningham, that's our guy right there, led the Cats with 18 points. And just a, a fun, really f- a fun game that I remember well being a kid, being excited for March Madness and knowing the road ahead. So, I mean, you, in 09, UCLA, Duke crushed both of them and then that crazy pit game. One of the games of the decades, in my in my opinion, uh, that Elite came to beat Levance Field, Sam Young, Brad Wanamaker, and Dewan Blair. Of course, that Jamie Dixon team is unbelievable, but that's besides the point. Back to the non-conference schedule, Ray. You had some some really awesome Big Twelve battles, which we'll get to uh, our upcoming Big Twelve battle with Kansas State a little bit later against Oklahoma and Texas, two top ten teams. Your senior year, and it was an absolute war against these two programs. Yeah, I felt bad for Oklahoma because we Oklahoma got us early when the season started, and we was just on a different we was on a different time. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kyle was on different time. Randy, that's when Randy did that one hand dunk when he was like high as hell in the rim. Right, Kyle did that. Uh, I don't remember if it was Kyle or me. Got a reverse layup. We that that game. Um, it was great. It was good. I think that was one of the first times I played against like a real big, big 12, big man. They had Taj Gibson. Uh, who else was on that team? They had another big, uh, white guy. He's my guy too. I can't remember his name. It's just crazy. But, uh, Brad Buckner, he was on that, he was on that team. There you go. So it was, it was just good getting it. I actually know Brad Buckner. Texas team yeah but the Oklahoma it was a good game and our Texas Texas at Texas um they had LaMarcus Aldridge PJ Tucker um Daniel Gibson there was somebody else on that team too DJ Augustine DJ Augustine they was loaded that was one of the best teams I ever played against and check my stats if you can. I'm I'm pretty sure I didn't have double digits because PJ Tucker was guarding me that game. Seriously, I'll pull it up. Like you see, you see PJ Tucker now on TV how he played defense and like in everybody's face. Like it, he he was like that in college too. Like he he was he was a pest against uh when we played Texas. I think I went for I think I went like two for eighteen. Not it. I'm not even going. I'm not even going. You, you, you. Had, you went four for twenty. <laughs> four for twenty. See, but you yeah. had thirteen. You had thirteen points. Okay. Yeah. Imagine having a big ass PJ Tucker hand in your face all game. I mean, you're you not going to see the rim. You guys held that it's game a, to fifty-eight points, though. Fifty-eight, fifty-five final. I've had his hey slugfest. Man. No, it was a war. It it was definitely a war. We slowed the game all the way down. We slowed the game all the way down. They was bigger than us. We had to limit their possessions. Coach Wright went to limit the possessions. We had to make sure we rebound against them. 
Like it, it, it was like a real slow, methodical um, basketball game that night. Like I was, I wasn't tired physically after the game. Like I was tired mentally. You know, it's like just from the game plan and just having to yeah. focus on all of that stuff the whole game. Oh my god! Yeah, this this starting five for Texas is unbelievable. With Lamarcus Aldridge, B.J. Tucker, you said Buckman, mm -hmm. Daniel Gibson, Ketton Polito. They had Mike Williams on the bench, Connor Atchley, A.J. Abrams. A.J. Abrams. He he was was he like a freshman or he was young at that time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he came in and gave them some good minutes too. Oh man, and then just. Yeah, so you, Randy, and Kyle each had 13 points. Mm -hmm. uh, Will and Mike combined for eight. Dante mm -hmm. off the bench had four. Jason Frazier off the bench had four. But, yeah, just <laughs> like 23% from three, 27% overall, just a complete rock fight. Yeah. Uh, it was it was one of those games. Like We was just like, listen, we're not making shots. <laughs> Nothing's falling right now. Yeah, we gotta we gotta lock in on defense. That's the only way we're gonna give ourselves a chance to win this game. So that's why it was like that. It was just a rock rock fight, like you said, back and forth, all forty minutes, and you know they came out on top. But that's just because they had a little bit more size than us. That's it. Yeah. So was that a Saturday afternoon game, if I remember correctly? Either that or it was a big Monday. Okay, it was one of them. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think I remember watching that game with uh, my Uncle Jeff, and he's a Villanova guy, too. So okay. that's that's what I'm thinking. But I know you also you remembered something pretty uh, hysterical about the pregame. Oh, yeah, Coach yeah, Wright. yeah. <laughs> Coach Wright. So before the game starts, you know, we got our pregame meeting. Coach Wright's in the locker room, whatever the case may be. So, like, we all come in um, just to, like, hear the pregame speech and go over the game plan a little bit. And we're all sitting down in front of the um the board waiting for Coach Wright to walk in. He walks in. He got these like dark colored suit pants on. He's got this striped white shirt with like these dark but kind of light stripes on him. Then he got the suspenders on. He <laughs> loves suspenders. He has suspenders. In the um, pregame, he would have his suspenders on. He never would have his suit, like the jacket. He always right. walk around with the suspenders and the shoes. And, like, we all just stopped and looked at him and was just like, hold on, are we playing a basketball game or are we about to go on a runway right now? <laughs> like, that's how dapper he was that day. I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. It was one of the best. He always got good suits, but that was one of the best suits I've ever seen. That was one of his best ensembles ever. And <laughs> I kind of, I kind of miss seeing those, those, those suits he wore. But yeah, that got us jacked up. That got us ready to play. Like we were, we was ready. There was no way we were gonna have Coach Wright on the sidelines looking like that, getting blown out in Texas. Yeah, no, I, that that's so great because I'm sure that was uh, Coach Wright's one of his first times going down, playing in Texas, playing in Austin. Uh, again, so, uh, the Longhorns were number eight at the time. You guys were number three. And just a incredible Rick Barnes-led Texas team. And I'm sure Rick was styling it as well. So it was definitely, uh, I think Coach Wright was definitely trying to send a message with 
with his getup, which is uh, always fun to fun to witness. Yeah, he do. You guys firsthand too. So now he do low key. I know he be on the sidelines trying to like kill a kill a competition. Yeah, of course. I know he do. Yeah, so I believe that was in fact a Saturday afternoon game. Uh, I just was looking at the post game uh, recap, which was written at like four fifty. Yeah, afternoon, so I'm assuming it was a one o'clock game, maybe even a, a noon. But that was a ton of fun, a core memory of mine. I know that we lost anyways, but yeah. at the same time, that I, that did a lot of good for you guys, I'm sure. Just having that experience, going through uh, the tough environment of playing down in Austin at Texas against that 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 absolutely stacked team with Aldridge and Tucker. I mean, you can't you can't get better in that in terms of an early season test, Alan. Yeah, um, Texas was was unbelievable, and you know another game too that was unbelievable, just a uh, like a great learning experience and mm-hmm. like tough crowd atmosphere. Notre yes. Dame, Notre, Notre, Dame. Notre Dame. When Kyle hit that uh, that tip in, at yes. The, yes, that game unbelievable. So the night before, the night before we're in. Uh, we're in Indiana, and there's a uh, Villanova alumni who lives there. Um, they invited us to their house. We had we had dinner there, um, and one of the girls, it was her parents. Um, she went to school with us. She was our class and everything, so we knew who who she was. It was it was cool as hell. Like they had a really nice house, and uh, they 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 treated us treated us great. And I think family. that's yeah, like Villanova family, sir. And we was just so comfortable there, and we go out to to the game to play against Notre Dame. It's my first time. Notre Dame, you think of, like, you know, football, like the big history there. And it was the same, like, in the gym. Like, the gym was packed. It was loud as hell in there. I'm not sure if uh, Notre Dame was playing to, like, make the playoffs or to, like, get in a tournament or something. But it was packed in there that night. And I was I was feeling great. I was feeling great that night. And the crowd was just like it was so hostile. I remember us being in the huddles, having to like remind each other, you know, like we gotta pay attention. It's loud in here. We can't hear each other. So we gotta get in our huddles quicker before free throws or like dead balls. Wow. Um, yeah, we was real we was real like detailed with, with how we played. A lot, like a lot of people don't know this, like Coach Wright was on the sideline coaching, but like we on the court was, like he gave us that freedom to kind of do our own thing and come up with like our game plan too. Not not so much, I'm not gonna say, say we did everything, <laughs> but we we did, we we kind of had, like he, he taught us basketball IQ, like our IQs were, were, were really good. So we got away with, sometimes calling our own plays and stuff like that. But you only learn that like playing in those type of games, like being in those type of environments. So I think it is, I think it's great. I think it's great being in those environments. I could play every single game like that. I would. And I hope everybody else that hoops feels that same way too. Just being able to play in those environments and against those top teams is is the best. Oh man. I, I remember that game very well. Uh, a Ray, that was actually funny. My parents were going out uh, to dinner or something like that. I w- my dad told me I was allowed to stay up for the re- for the rest of the game. I remember they left they left at halftime or whatever it was, 
And, you know, my babysitter's like trying to put me to bed. I'm like, no way. I'm watching, I'm watching the end of this game. Uh, I don't care what you tell me. I'm watching. Don't, don't, don't mess with me right now. I'm in yeah. the zone. And I remember my dad told me before he left, he was like, leave a note for me uh, for, you know, who wins. Like that was something that me and my dad would always do. He would always leave me a note if I had the, like in my bathroom. So I'll go ready for school in the morning. I would see, I would see the note. Like, all right, we won or all we lost. Um, and he would do that for me. But this time I got to do it for him, right? So it was an exciting thing. Lowry hit the tip in to win the game 72-70. Notre Dame was ranked 20th at the time. It was, like you said, it was a massive game and in a completely hostile environment. And I remember I, I spelled Kyle C-C-I-L-E. <laughs> Kyle Lowry. I, I think I spelled the last name right. But Kyle was a little rough around the edges with C-I-L-E. I was a, I was a youngster, but... Boy, I remember that game like it was yesterday. A ton of fun and just like, and talk about uh, just dramatics, right? I mean, yeah. last second tip in, you guys doing everything you possibly can to come out of South Bend with a win. And there you go. It happened like that. And just, oh, I'm so glad that you have that story and how much that that entire, I guess, trip meant to you guys. Yeah. Because it was a good even, trip. Even in the middle of, uh, you know, nowhere, nowhereville, Indiana, there's uh, some Villanova people ready to, to bring you guys in and treat you like family. So that that's amazing. Yeah, it definitely was. And, like, even after that tipping, like, if you watch the video, like, that's my favorite part of that video is that you watch Kyle tipping it in and, like, just just pay attention to how fast we all run back down the court. <laughs> yeah. And it's not – and it's just, like, we were, like, machines. Like, that was something Coach Wright taught us. Like, the tip – like, at the end of the games, you know – if everybody crashed their boards, like we gotta make sure we get back, or like somebody's gotta be back, or one person be back, whatever the case may be. But it was end of game situation, so Kyle went in. Kyle's a point guard, so he went all the way from where he was at and got the tip in, and it was just like we didn't even have to think about it. It was boom, get back, like run back, so they won't get no long passes or like no easy shots, because you know obviously we trying to win the game, but. Yeah, man, those 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 were the good old days. I never played on another team like that. Like that was this detail. Like I went, I played in Europe. Like guys would drive ball side, and like the coach would be mad at me for not not helping. I'm like, dude, I'm not helping ball side. Right. Like I got a shooter right here in the corner. Like I'm not gonna go help this man and leave the shooter. Like I'm just not doing that. Like I just wasn't taught that at Villanova. And then I tell coaches that, ah, well, this is not Villanova, you know, like, you know how that goes. But yeah, I've never played on a team as detailed as Villanova. I've never played with a coach like Coach Wright that was able to break down every part of the damn basketball game and, like, teach you something about it. You know, I've Coach Wright and Villanova is the only place I've played like that. Well, like you I said, could say that proudly too. Oh yeah, come on, of course. And like you said, you guys were robots, man. You guys were programmed differently than everybody else to to treat basketball like it was just a basically like a you had a roadmap to get through and navigate the game, no matter what situation you were in, no matter what the other team threw at you. You guys always had an answer. Very rarely did you guys ever look flustered or like, oh my god, but the shots aren't falling don't matter we're, we're okay we got this we're gonna we're gonna get them on defense and that 
that's the beauty of Villanova basketball and watching you guys play when I was a kid and even watching replays of, of the, the old teams from 06, 09, 2016, 18, you name it. But it's just like just completely unflappable, right? You, you guys would could go through the, the hardest 10-minute stretch of the year and you guys, you know, would it, you you would act the same way if you were on a, a twenty-five to two run. It's just mm-hmm. that's just how you guys were. You were it was definitely robotic in a way, yeah. but I think it was the right. It's the right way to do it because you can't let the emotions overwhelm you, whether it be positive or negative. So, UConn in uh, Wachovia, uh, 06, I think right. they were they were stomping us in the first half, and then we came out. Second half, got that dub. But like you said, just never got down on stuff like that. Like I don't, you could go up twenty points on us in the first half. Like we know we coming back. Like there's no doubt in our minds that we coming back. And it's been like that ever since we left. And that's the tradition there. And that's why it's so fun to like to watch and be alumni. And I can say like I'm somebody who started that. Oh, you know, yeah. So it's it's just a, a great feeling. No, that's it, it absolutely is for, for you guys because you absolutely 1,000% were the OGs, right? You guys started the tradition, and it was all about playing the name, playing for the name on the front of the jersey, not the back, and mm-hmm. building that culture, building that tradition that we've seen now the last almost 20 years. So it's it's been an honor to watch from that point. Uh, up until now and it's hopefully going to continue to continue to get better this year with all of the nil the transfer portal things changing the college basketball landscape and environment can villanova still thrive on what they've instilled in themselves with culture with family with attitude and with the villanova way really yeah yeah we definitely established culture there go to camp go to campus corner that chicken smothered, that was us. <laughs> we started that. Dude, that's great. That was us. Great. Oh, wow. Off the court and on the court. Established culture. No doubt. No doubt about it. Anyway. I love it. And um, so just to, yeah, just to quickly wrap that up, I mean, what a fun discussion we just had a little bit about the non-conference schedule, playing those tough teams early on, going into hostile environments. I know that Notre Dame game was obviously a, a Big East game, but still, you want those those experiences to be thrown into a completely unfriendly place, a, an un, unknown place where you're not really even sure. Well, you know, there's no one else to rely on but yourselves, and yeah. that's what exactly what you guys did. And you were able to c- come out top, plenty of come out on top of plenty of more times than you weren't. And we, we talked about that Texas game, but boy, just looking back at that Texas roster, it's a miracle you guys. only lost by three. I mean, talk about size. You guys uh, really stuck it to them and and hung in there until the end. Villanova attitude. Villanova attitude. That's all that was that that day. That's right, man. Um, And just to to quickly wrap up with UCLA, some some definitely, so we talked about the 09 matchup. We talked about two years ago and how we kind of choked that game away up by 10 midway through the second half. Couldn't get it done, but in the long run, helped us out, went to the Final Four. We did end up losing to – we lost to Baylor that year. Uh, Baylor was tough. We did beat Tennessee, which was a good win for us. Um, but, man, I mean, just a, a, a really a, a brutal 
schedule that a lot of fans are actually, like you said, complaining about, mm-hmm. which I found to be kind of ridiculous. Uh, we lost to Purdue also, that a number six ranked Purdue team in the Hall of Hall of Fame tip off championship. We gave that to them too. We yeah, handed yeah. that. We handed yeah. that to Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Here, you can have this. I mean, hey Ray, I'm telling you, I think UCLA, Tennessee, Purdue, Baylor, all top twenty teams, including Tennessee, mm-hmm. just UCLA, Baylor, and Purdue, top six teams. I mean. Yeah. That those te- those those are legit programs with with incredible coaching staffs that had some some really incredible talent as well, and you and this team was able to hang hang with them. It proved to be worthwhile in the long run, going to the Final Four in twenty one. And I, I I'm I'm telling you, I, I think why not jack up jack up the the front end of the schedule non conference wise. Get our name in the in the best. Thanksgiving weekend tournaments. Make sure we're playing uh, in the Big 12, Big East battle, in, in the Gavit games. We're, whoever we can get, put them on the schedule, load it up. Let's see, let's go play with the best of them. Right, right, A, right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that was one of the big things of why I wanted to play at Villanova, just like the Big East. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play against all of the top teams. Like the Big East was loaded in Pittsburgh, um, Georgetown was good. UConn, like the Big East was stacked. I was, that's where I wanted to play. I didn't want to play nowhere else. The Big East. Stack like pancakes, eh, Ray, like you said. Yeah, competition. Like, I'm just, I was just used to that from high school. High school played in CHSAA, which is the best, um, I guess, conference, for yeah. lack of a better word, right. that you can say in high school for New York. And... Like, I just kind of got addicted to that playing against that competition. Like, I got addicted to it. Yeah. Wow, I love it. I love that. That's that's what that's what makes it fun. Yeah, that's what makes you want to get excited about a an early season matchup in November and December. And that's that's exactly what I want. And UCLA, I mentioned before, got some history with, with them two years ago. The 09 game, we beat them in 2010, actually, the year after that. Uh, in the non-conference as well, we cr- I think we crushed them, and then they they had actually ended up crushing us way back in 2002. But I'm sure a lot of the uh, the older heads will remember the 1971 national championship game where we lost to UCLA 68 to 62. Howard Porter won the most outstanding player of the tournament, and Coach Jack Kraft led the Wildcats to uh, the national runner-up, which was pretty impressive. Uh, that was obviously before we won in 85. So that was the furthest that we had gone up to that point. And on the way, <laughs> it's pretty funny, Ray. On the way to that that final, we beat St. Joe's, Fordham, Penn, and Western Kentucky. So a couple of big five schools in there Damn. as well. Um, and that's another thing we're going to look forward to it is the big five classic. Are we city, really? City, the city six classic. Well, I would say... I would say we would look forward to it in terms of the championship game meaning something a little bit more than just playing the the, the four or five teams straight up. I think there will be a little bit more, I guess, gravitas behind that level of, of a championship pedigree that that game will bring, yeah. um, which I appreciate, and I do like the new format because I think we'll, we'll get to play just about everybody in the round robin, and, you know, I hear you in terms of like the competition not being the greatest, but 
it's 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 traditional. It's 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 a it's a good thing for Philadelphia basketball. Coach Wright always loved gassing it up, and yeah, you know we would pretty much dominate. But it's something we're gonna look at the schedule and say, hey, we need to take care of business, right? That's where I think we need to go in there, uh, sweep the leg, go three and zero, four and zero, whatever it is, and hopefully win handily. Yeah, and that was one of my biggest things was with the Big Five. You know, I wish it was a little bit more competitive. Um, it definitely would have been a better look. But don't get me wrong, we we had our games there. I remember when uh, when St. Joe's was stacked, when they had Delante. I'm not going to say stacked. They had Delante and they had Jameer Nelson. Right. That was about it. <laughs> and, and they was beating everybody. Now, they, they was tough. But when they was in the Big Five, I remember playing against them. Um after my sophomore year, I mean, I went to to transfer from Villanova. We lost to them so bad. Oh man! Now seriously, I was I was upset. I called my dad. I'm like, Dad, I'm leaving. I'm like, I'm 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 going somewhere else. I can't do this no more. <laughs> seriously, I was I was having a breakdown. And then I don't know, maybe like a day later, I talked to my pops again. And I didn't have the same energy. I was just, I was just feeling a little down. Yeah. But Big Five got me like that. And then uh, Penn, Penn games was kind of, they was cool. Sometimes they used to be competitive, but not all the time. And uh, LaSalle, I think I only played against LaSalle maybe like one time mm -hmm. the whole time I was at school. Um, was Gary, there was like, there was one guy who he went to the league. Gary Neal, maybe that's his name. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think he played with LaSalle or Drexel, but either way, he was nice. Um, I played against him in Italy as well, also. So we had we had some battles in college, and in yeah, yeah, he went to LaSalle. Gary Neal, exactly yeah. right, my friend, and uh, in the pros too. So you know, Big Five had its, it's it had its games, but I definitely wish it was. A little bit more competitive, especially like being down in the city with all that that history and all that tradition. It got a so I, I hope it could get back up to to a higher level and, and and get more more popular. But it's definitely a business game too, and that's how I start taking it junior and senior year. It's like okay, let's not come around, come in here, mess around. Let's come in here, take care of business, keep our focus straight. Um, going into the next game. Yeah, man. You know, treat well, it. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, how do you like playing at the Palestra? Because I know you uh, you definitely played there a handful of times as well. Yeah. No, nah, the Palestra is cool. The Palestra is cool. Like, I, I loved it. I love when we played against, uh, like, St. Joe's and the fans. Because I used to go out on the court early and shoot. I'm talking about hour 45 before the game. I'm out on the shots. Yeah. And I used to love when the fans used to be out there early. And that was one thing at the Palestra. The fans used to get there early and, like, heckle, heckle you and, and talk trash. But I used to have my headphones on, so I never really got to hear what they were saying. But I, I used to see them screaming their lungs out, and I, and I can't hear a word they're saying, which was hilarious to me. <laughs> That's great. And that stuff used to, like, and that used to motivate me. It used to motivate me so much. And... I can't give the palestra that that uh that student section atmosphere is pretty brutal because you know the schools is like they hate each other so 
everybody's going at one another. So that's that that aspect of Big Five is great. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I remember when I was a junior, we lost to Penn, and that was a uh, that was probably one of the most devastating losses of my time at school. Uh, losing to Furman at home was brutal. I actually uh, was the color commentator for like the student run mm-hmm. uh, radio uh, broadcast. So that was I was I was literally baffled, man. I had no idea what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, like you said, let's go. We had to go take care of business when it comes to Big Five because as unfortunate it is that those programs are not up to up to our standard right now in terms of success perennial you know year in year out but with all due respect hopefully i'm rooting for them to to kind of put together some some decent teams and 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 have success in uh in the regular season and hopefully into march but it is what it is a right well on a serious note like do you think it can get back up there with how basketball is now everything is changing nil like schools like lasalle penn you know like do they suffer because of like nil nobody wants to go there and play you know what i'm saying yeah i i got you and i think honestly the atlantic 10 is uh is is almost not to blame but is the problem mm-hmm. because i feel like even just a few years ago it was a league that would, would consistently have you know four or five teams in the big dance every year you yeah. talk about you know rhode island dayton st louis not even necessarily uh, the big five teams like uh, a St. Joe's or, um, you know, who else is in the eight ten or LaSalle, Drexel. But that right now, that that entire conference has been pretty much Dayton or bust for the last few years. And I don't I don't think people want to play there. Right. Right. No one. No one really was like clamoring to go play in the Atlantic 10. I think a few years ago, like I mentioned, they, they were legit. They had. Some serious teams. That St. Louis team. Remember, they had Jordan Jet, uh, that kid, that, that like short little guard that was just lighting it up. Mm-hmm. We get they, they were uh, Coach Rick Majerus was over there, um, and the the HN was was a formidable conference. But right now, uh, a Ray, good, really good point. I don't think the, the that a lot of NIL money is even there for the taking for for some recruits for transfers. And look at Tyler Burton. He played at Richmond, A-10 school. He obviously lit it up, did his thing over there. Um, But he definitely needed to come to a program like Villanova to really put himself on the map and and get taken seriously by NBA scouts or wherever he wants to go play in the next next step of his career. Yeah. If I'm I'm a team like LaSalle or like in Atlantic 10 or one of these small schools, yeah, like I got to sell it like – this is a place where you can come, and if you play good enough, you can move on to a better situation, like a Villanova. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what else are you going to sell them on? You know, you can come here. Like, we'll give you the opportunity. You play well. You can get you. You can go to another school. You can get an NIL deal. You know, but we can't give you that here. But we can be that outlet for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. And, and that's honestly kind of sad to think about that that might be like their number one selling point. But yeah. I mean, but but you got to look at it. There's kids out there, too, who like, you know, not everybody has the sexy route, you know, to yeah. Yeah. to to a, a major a major college. So like there's going to be kids out there who 
have been overlooked, who haven't got recruited a lot um, in, in high school that end up at a, a Richmond. And they look at it like, okay, if I could do my thing here, I know I can transfer to, to, a, to another school, to a bigger school. So, like, there's kids out there like that. And, I mean, those schools have that kind of capability. Like, you come here, you can play. We'll teach you what you need to, to know. You help us, we'll help you. You know, like kind of, kind of like that. Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a business now. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's business. It is. And you almost got to get lucky that you maybe find a coach, uh, you know, from another program or maybe someone that's been in your program for a while and he takes over and he's able to recruit guys. Maybe that, maybe you were, oh, wow, a four-star guy we just got, a three-star guy we just got, like, you know, kind of maybe stealing guys left and right just because the coach was able to develop a relationship with them and develop that trust and i mean th those are those are legitimate legitimate like programs in terms of resources right they have i'm sure very nice facilities philadelphia area schools most definitely do with saint joe's and temple uh they have large fan bases large alumni networks that have access to that nil type money so I'm not ruling it out in terms of the realms of possibility of the big five making a comeback and, and really seeing the St. Joe's and the Temple teams that were in the big dance or at least on the bubble year in, year out uh, with, uh, you know, Phil Martelli and Fran Dumfrey. So, you know, respect to them. Uh, I hope LaSalle, Drexel, Penn, those are still schools with like maybe the less traditional powerhouse uh, college basketball programs, but I think if they really find the right group of people, find the right coach or alumni network to help them out, then Godspeed. So I, I really think that there's a chance, but I completely agree with what you're saying about how much more difficult it makes it for the little guy now with the NIL and, and the transfer portal. So very good point, Alan. All we could do is, is sit back and watch and see <laughs> and see how it plays out for her. That's, that's all we could do, man. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I wanted to bring this up earlier. We'll get to it now in our last uh, last little subject before we wrap things up here on this eighth episode of Rain and Threes is the way-too-early bracketology put out by Joe Lunardi, uh, Joey Brackets, as we like to call him. So we talked a little bit about uh, some, some games coming up this season uh, with Kansas State, Maryland, UCLA. Uh, Kansas State last year had a, had a very successful run. Uh, all the way to the Elite Eight, with uh, they had their their guy Noel. Who, he's not he's not there next year. I know I know he's not, but I'm just saying that 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 they're losing these guys, right? Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, Keontae, George. Was Keontae George on that team? Kansas yeah. State. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So Keontae was on that team. He was a baller, um, but they're lo they lost some guys, so they're not going to be the same. But they're they're still projected. 11 seed according to Joe Lenardi as of right now so they're going to be that's going to be that's not going to be a rollover right they're, they're yeah, gonna, I don't want to play them at 11 seed no I don't, exactly I don't play them. and I don't want to play a Patino team oh. I don't want to play a Patino team in the first two rounds of the uh, tournament at all no let alone yeah the NCAA tournament I want to play in the yeah. East tournament yeah but so Kansas State projected 11 seed as of now Maryland projected 8 seed and UCLA is a projected seven seed. So all three very solid 
uh, projections in terms of what they think that these programs are going to do come postseason time in March of 24. Um, so we're going to, and we play two of those teams within a week of each other. Hey, Ray, how about Kansas State, Tuesday, December 5th? Turn right back around that Saturday night and play UCLA. So traveling out to Kansas and Manhattan and then coming right back to Philly to play UCLA. And boy, I, I'm fired up just thinking about that week, man. We're going to have a ton of fun. Uh, recording for for that point in the season my guy uh curtis kelly coach with kansas state so i was gonna be happy to see him out there we we grew up together in new york well actually he's a little bit younger than me but he's from new york went to rice high school so there you go shout out shout out to kurt kelly but kansas state y'all going down <laughs> <laughs> i love it a little smack talk man that's going cool. down Yes, sir. Now we 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 smacked this year. I mean, we uh we stacked this year. So this is for you, Curtis. Just let you know, y'all gonna have a tough tough time. I got Yo. a lot of I got a lot of faith in my boys. Yo, hey Ray. Yeah. Want to guess? Want to guess this for me? When right. is the last time we played Kansas State? When was the last time? Yeah. Kansas Take a guess. State. Take a guess. Nineteen eighty six. We've never played them before. That was not my once. next. That was my next answer. <laughs> right, I'm sure. No, not once, my friend. Not a once. So okay, that's a good. Be, that's good. This will be fun. Yeah. Now we get we get to see. Well, we watched them last year in a tournament, but like you said, it's a different team. But getting to see them last year in a tournament and then being able to play against them the next year, pretty exciting. Man, I was at that game, that Kansas State Michigan State game, where Noel dropped like 20 assists. Set yeah. the record. Yeah. Oh, that was it was the one of the best games of the tournament, probably the game of the tournament. And I was there at the guard, man. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That that game was great. That was against Michigan State, right? Yep. Yeah, that game was great. It was back and forth, action packed, all forty minutes. Crazy play after play. Yeah, it was it was was that the alley oop game? Yes. Where he like looked off. Oh my God. Yeah. Yo, it was insane. And uh, FAU beat Tennessee that night as well, so we got to see a couple of great games. Coach Wright calls. Coach Wright called me after that game. He's like, "Hey, Ray, I'm doing a, um, I'm I'm interviewing uh, Noel tomorrow, doing a piece on him, like about about New York guards." And he's just like, he's like, "Give me anything." He's like, "Just tell me something about like New York guard." I'm like, "Damn, Coach, like you're <laughs> really a journalist now." <laughs> Give me something out. Come on. I'm like, I'm like, coach, you a journalist right now. <laughs> Sound like Dana O'Neill. But uh, yeah, I was just telling I'm like, coach, come on, you know, we New York guards, like we gonna we gonna improvise. And you know, sometimes you gotta take it. You gotta take it. Take take what you want. But we gonna try to make a play. Like New York guards. Yeah, he's like, yeah, got a little Corey Fisher in him. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Ray, y'all don't listen. <laughs> oh, that is too funny. Oh, I love that. I know I know Coach Wright. I know Coach Wright says I know he think New York guards don't listen. <laughs> I'm I promise you, I know he do. Oh, he used man. to tell me that. So I know. And it's just like just being from New York, it's just like how we play, man. It's like sometimes we just get a go off on a mind our own. And like, just want to make plays and stuff like that. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but that's definitely a New York trait. Yeah, I mean that's that's Fisher Price right there. Man. That's Corey Fisher, like yeah. right in in a nutshell. Yeah, and and Noel, uh, there was definitely some similarities in, in the way that those two played the game. 
Um, so I, I was watching a lot of Corey Fisher highlights the last couple couple of days because he he actually went crazy against UCLA in that yeah. game we talked about earlier. So um, good times, man. Uh, and I just to back to the the bracketology to wrap it up, A Ray. I want to see uh, what you think. I'm going to ask you about each team in this uh, this field of 68 that Lunardi has put together, and what seed do you think that these Big East teams have? All right, all right, all right. And no cheating, okay? I never cheat <laughs> unless it's Spanish class. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, here we go. UConn. What seed is UConn? UConn. This is for the tournament. Yeah, for the tournament. All right. Not for the Big East, for the NCAA tournament. And this is preseason. Correct. Yeah, this just came out a couple weeks ago. They just won a national championship. So everybody's going to be riding them. So I'm going to say two or three seed. Two seed. You got it, man. All right. All right, what about Creighton? Creighton? Hmm. Lost a lot. Having gained a lot, I'm saying Creighton gonna be eight seed. Wow, they they, they have Creighton as a two seed, Ray. Damn, yeah. talk about off night, shoot them up, sleep in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all right, I'll give you this one. What about Xavier? Man, you said what was C? What C was Creighton? Eight. Or you you guessed eight. Yeah, eight. Great in two. Two. Xavier. Yep. I mean, damn. Musketeers. Sean Miller's team again. I'll go eight with them. Eight or yeah. nine. Eight. Yep. Yeah. Xavier is an eight. What about Marquette? Marquette, two seed me. Three seed. All right. You're right there, though. And then uh, Providence? Providence. Hmm. You gotta think about the storylines with Providence. Six seed? Nah. Lower with right. Bethel team. Yeah, lower. Yeah. Ten seed? Yeah, eleven seed. All right. They have them what one of the last few teams in. And your team. I actually I, I'm sure they'll change this since they just got that Chris Ledlam kid. Mm-hmm. St. John's. They just got him uh the kid that was supposed to go from Harvard to Tennessee, decommitted from Tennessee. Is that with the Johnnies? Not on a scholarship, Bay Ray, just going off that strictly NIL. Isn't that crazy? Damn. I see times is changing. Yeah. So St. John's is on the first four out. Them and Providence hovering right on that bubble. And for Villanova, the Wildcats, what seed does Joe Lunardi have us? Four seed. Five. Five. So you were pretty much on point there, Bay Ray. Aside from Creighton. You were on point. You were either had it or were maybe just a couple off. So how's Creighton still a two seed? Hey, listen, I I think uh, I think what they did in the transfer portal as well, and they they're bringing back some guys from last year. I I, I think everyone was sleeping on them last year because they had such a a high preseason ranking last year. Yeah. They played like absolute garbage in their non-conference. I think they were they actually were a 500 team at one point. I think they were like five and five. I don't know. It was not it was not good. They lost like five six games in a row, something crazy. They really hit their stride come uh, end of Big East play, and they went on a run. A eh, Ray, right? They they lost yeah. that that tough game 
in the Elite Eight uh, to San Diego State. They really were an opportunity. They had an opportunity to win. They couldn't get it done. And I think uh, that experience bodes well for them, bringing back Kalkbrenner. They did lose Nemar. They did lose Kaluma. But I'm telling you, Ray, I, I, I do trust uh, the experience that they have now um, versus last year. So I think they're going to get together. I don't know if I would give them a two seed, but I, I like them to, to finish toward the top in the Big East as well. All right. I'm going to take your word for it. We're going to see. We're going to see. I create holes up this year. Yeah, we will definitely see. I, I I actually agree with you in terms of putting Marquette above Creighton. I think that that's something that uh, will eventually happen. Um, I think Marquette and UConn are the class of the Big East. And then I believe we, us uh, as Villanova, Creighton, I, I would say Xavier and St. John's could be right there as well. And then Providence... Uh, is kind of the the last team I, I would think is going to make a serious run mm-hmm. at at an appearance in March Madness. We'll see. So, what if Georgetown? What if Georgetown climbed their way into like the top six in the Big East? I would not be shocked, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're still a year away. Uh, we did talk about this, I think, a few episodes ago about you know is Georgetown deserving of of a a decent preseason look this this year. I don't think just yet, but I would I would watch out for them come March. You know, I, I think they might be a similar team to like how we were this past year, kind of maybe catching fire toward the end of the year. No one wants to play them. Big East tournament time comes around. They're like, you know, uh, the eighth seed in the Big East. They maybe steal a win on Wednesday and then give somebody a, a heck of a game in the quarterfinals. So uh, we'll, we'll keep our eye on them with Ed Cooley. With Ed Cooley there, I think they're in a perfect position just to continue to trend in the right direction. And we're already seeing that happen. So uh, recruiting has gone well for them. The transfer portal, they've done okay. And they're, I didn't think they're just going to continue to to knock it out of the park and bring Georgetown back to the Georgetown that you knew mm-hmm. back when the Big East was really stacked uh, in 06. 05 with uh with those GT3 teams. So there it is, man. Mike Sweetney was on that team. Remember big Mike Sweetney? Yes, I remember him. Talk about Roy Hibbert. Oh man. Yeah, I got <laughs> Roy Hibbert his freshman year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then chew gum and walk at the same time. <laughs> For real, I'm serious. I know. I he was yeah, it was a bit of a you had two left feet out there for real, but he figured it out, that's for sure. He he sure did. And had a hell of hell of a career and played in the NBA as well, too. Yes, sir. Roy Hibbert, Georgetown. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm excited for the Big East this year. I swear I hope they get some respect this year. I already see the disrespect towards the Big East, but I feel like we can get like five teams in this year. I feel like it's going to be some surprises, like not mo- like more than one surprise this year, like more than one surprise team in the Big East. I just, I just feel it. I don't know who it's going to be, but I just, I just feel it. Somebody's going to make a run to like make a name for themselves this year in the Big East. We'd love to see it, man. Honestly, really would. Uh, my sister actually just got in the seat in the hall. Uh, for, for I think she's going to go there to get her uh, her teaching master's degree. 
Yeah. Which will add a little interesting rivalry in the family come uh, come basketball season, A Ray. So, congrats. Uh, shout out to my little sister, uh, Dylan. And uh, it's funny we you mentioned you mentioned Jay Wright's style. We talked a little bit about that, uh, especially against Texas down south in that non conference game you played your senior year. But how about Coach Neptune, man, getting named the number five overall best dressed coach? In college basketball, hey, Ray, what do you what do you think about that? I don't see it. <laughs> I don't oh, see it. Man. I mean, following somebody like Coach Wright, that's hard to do. It is so extremely hard. Like Kyle may have some nice suits on, but it's just it's just hard to follow up Coach Wright. But I mean, I'm not hating. I'm not a hater, y'all. I'm not a hater. So if they got him five, they got him top five. Yeah, he's top five. You know, he got it. He got, he is not Coach Wright. Look, he got his own little look. So, more power to him. Yeah, exactly. He's got his own little flair uh, for his uh, his style. And I definitely appreciate that and hope, hope he wears more suits and not just turtlenecks underneath yeah. the suit. Uh, I think that's, that's definitely a look that he's brandished a few times. He, he really repped it. The, the turtleneck more than more than a handful of times, which I thought was fine. But hey, let's let's see that suit and tie, right? After after hearing you say that, I'm kinda going back two years from now and I swear you was tweeting about Coach Wright and not wearing a shoot. I swear you was one of those guys. <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now. You was you was in the comments like, oh man, Jay Wright. Yeah. Gotta have his suit on. What's up yeah. with this golf stuff? This is disrespectful to the university. This is Whoa. disrespectful to my team. Whoa. That was you, OC. That was not me, man. All right, listen. I had to deal with it. I had to defend Jay from my grandparents, my my parents. They're like, what is going on? It's ridiculous. Like, is this because just because of COVID? I'm like, you know, it's just kind of the the, the mentality right now, right? It's just, you know, everyone yeah. wants to be comfortable and uh, he was repping rep the track suits and looking like, uh, you know, I feel like the old, in the old Big East, everybody w- was wearing a suit except for Bob Huggins, right? And Yeah. Oh, he, where, uh, he, he never wore a suit. Never. But, he never wore a suit. But, you know, Patino's going to be styling the Godfather mm-hmm. wearing that those old whites with the pinstripes and that's going to be tough to beat. Um, Patino, Patino came in at number two. And the best dressed um, one. basketball coaches, Jerry Stackhouse of Vanderbilt. Who, like, <laughs> who made his list? College basketball report, CBK report, man. You you like their stuff all the time, so don't don't nah. mean that in terms of uh, what you cite my sources because they're legit. I, I like their work. Nah, somebody hired Stevie Wonder and what's that? Like, and asked him who was the best dressed, according to Chad GBT. <laughs> No, according to Stevie Wonder. Yeah, right. That's it. <laughs> you know Stevie Wonder's black. Of course. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I was aware of Stevie Wonder, the Stevie Wonder joke. All right. Um, but we will see how Coach Neptune does in style year two. But I think more uh, more fans than not are more concerned about. I'm other going players. to Google Jerry Stackhouse as soon as we finish. Okay. Yeah. You have to let me know what you think. Yeah, I'm going to Google that. There we go. <laughs> you got to love it. All right, well, A-Ray, that was a ton of fun, my man. 
I really appreciate uh, the time. I know we're up late burning that midnight oil, but we uh, I could keep going, honestly, but we gotta we gotta cut it off here. Uh, you know, with with it, Alan Ray, I'm Mike O'Connell with the eighth installment of Raid and Threes. Shout out to our guy Nick and Knight behind the glass putting on a show for us. We appreciate you, my friend. Yes, sir, Nick. Everybody, good night. Have a good one. Episode eight, Raining Threes. We out. Yes, sir. Peace.